you to get your Bibles, and I want you to go to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians 1, verse 15, that's where we'll start. As you know, we have been in a series called Roots, and we're taking a journey through Colossians. And what the purpose of this series is for us is to grow us in a deeper way, to put down deeper roots, to be more firm, more convicted, more aggressive, more mature in who Christ is within us. That's the point. And so as we begin to look through this letter from the Apostle Paul to the believers at Colossae, we are looking for the instructions, not only that he gave them, but also that he wants to give us as believers who are responsible to take the message of the gospel into our city. And so uh, if you're at Colossians 1.15, just turn the page one page over and we'll read our key verse together as we begin the key verse is Colossians 2, 6 through 7. It says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him. Everybody say, in Him. In Him. In Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. This is the key verse that pivots the whole book, I believe, that highlights the themes of the book. Jesus Christ as Lord, living our lives in him, being rooted deep and being strengthened in the faith, and then being full because of what Christ is doing in us, overflowing with thanksgiving. I think one of the marks of a believer who understands who Jesus really is, is thanksgiving is thankfulness, is a grateful heart. People who are bitter and irritated and frustrated other people all the time and don't have a grateful heart, they don't have a great revelation of Jesus. And we're going to talk about that revelation today of Jesus. So turn back to Colossians 1.15. Our next section in this book is one of the most potent theological paragraphs within all of Paul's writings. It is rich with poetry and, and prose and, and praise to God. It is um, a soaring, spiritually powerful section uh, that, that has implications for how we live. Uh, it also has a sturdy, earthy quality to it. it. It's grounded in who Christ is, who he was as he was here on the earth. We could base an entire series on this one little passage alone, okay? We, we could spend weeks on it, but we've only got 25 minutes. So we have to, so we have to dive deep into it, and we're going to wrestle through some of the ideas in Colossians 1. Let's pray over the reading of the word. Father, would you let revelation come alive in us? Let us see who you really are, and let us have the grace to be able to apply what we're learning. Speak to us by your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Colossians 1.15, this little segment, most scholars contend that Paul has preserved a, a fragment of, of, current, of early Christian hymnody. In other words, it was a hymn or it was a piece of a hymn that was sung or was said. And so uh, it's, it's a hymn of praise. It's not, it wasn't necessarily designed to be a theological treatise for these people. But Paul uses such powerful, amazing language about who Jesus is. And it's so important that we understand that it's a song. It is an, uh, 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 some words of acclaim and worship to God and adoration that erupts with thanksgiving. And really, this is kind of the premise of the whole passage today, is that 
We cannot have a small view of Jesus. A.W. Tozer wrote a book called The Knowledge of the Holy, and in it he starts with a question. The most important question you can answer is, when you think of God, what do you think? It's the most important question any of us can answer. When you think of God, what do you think? I contend that some of us, maybe many of us, struggle with a view of Jesus that makes him small. Several years of helping people understand that there is a personal relationship with Jesus available to them. Somehow, in some places, with some people, it translates to Jesus is your buddy. That is a small view of who Jesus is. Does he want to be in relationship with you? Absolutely. But that is so profound precisely because of who he is in the heavens and the earth, and who he was from the beginning to the end. What he, who, he, uh, who he is and how he reigns over all creation and he's sovereign over all eternity makes a relationship with me so astounding. If you drain Jesus of who Paul says he is and, and who the scripture says he is, then he just begins to be this person you call when you're in need. Maybe he's not just your friend, but you, you just, your life is kind of lived on your own with your own kind of mentality and, and you, you appreciate Jesus because he comes to your rescue when you get in trouble. That makes him a cosmic butler. That doesn't work. That, it, doesn't, it doesn't work with the gospel. It works with some people's philosophy of who Jesus is and how they want to live their life. But, but the message of the gospel, the truth of the scripture, Jesus is so much more. And, we're, and I, want, I, am a, I, am, I am profoundly affected today by my own study and my own teaching of this passage. And I want you to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to get this as we start reading it. Verse 15, here it is. He is the image. Christ is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. The image of God, the firstborn over all creation, he's the one who reigns over all the earth and all the visible things of the earth, as well as the invisible powers that exist on the, around the earth. He is over all of them. He was before them, the verse says. Verse 17 says, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. If you have your little pen... You should write, you should underline right there. Underline that phrase. He holds all things together. The reason this is profound is because if Christ can hold the entire universe together, if that is his role, if that is who he is, then surely he can hold your life together. 
Surely he can hold my life together, no matter what I'm facing, no matter what I'm struggling with, no matter what the circumstances of my life are. If he holds the universe, if he holds it all together, if he holds all things, powers, authorities, if he's over them, if he was before them, if, he was, if he's going to be after them, if he's reigning over them, surely he can hold my life together. This is, this is the power of this section and the power of this letter because later on he begins to articulate how we should live in response to understanding who Jesus really is. So if we pause here for a second, we just go back and we look at the image of the invisible God. Let's just talk about the idea of an image. Jesus, the scripture says, is what you see if you're looking for an image of God. Now if we look at the if we look at what Jesus told his people, the nation of Israel, in Exodus 20, the Ten Commandments, the first commandment is, thou shalt have no other gods before me. What's the second one? <laughs> wow. Next series, Ten Commandments. Okay, so... So that's so good. So, so it's good. No, it's, it's good. It's good. It's good to know where we are. All right, so... T so so the second, it's the first answer solution to dealing with your problems is admitting there is a problem. Okay, so, so, the second, so the second commandment is don't make any images of me. He did not want to be defined by what was created, rocks, metals, wood. He didn't want to be defined by that, right? He wanted to be defined by what could the person who could only define him, the one who was with him from the beginning, the one who he sent into the world, who was in divine relationship, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, who existed with him from the foundations of the world. Jesus in human form is the only way we see who God really is. Jesus, think about this. Jesus lived the life that God designed for all humanity to live. Okay, just think of that for a second. Jesus lived, Jesus is the one who lived the life that God meant for each of us to live and means for each of us to live. Think about it for a second. He was, he knew he was loved. He was full of confidence and authority. He didn't shrink back from the tests that came before him. He was full of purpose. He was always thinking about his father's purpose. He was full of his own security in who his father knew him to be. He knew who he was in his father. He, he had this purpose in his life that drove him. These are the things that God wants for all humanity. For you and for me. Not just Christians. He wants that kind of living for all humanity, for them to be secure in who God has made them to be, to understand the purpose for which they were created, to interact with him in relationship that makes them so confident and full of authority that they can do his will. That's, that's a pretty cool idea, isn't it? Jesus lived the human life that we're all designed to live. Now, if you, I don't know if, if you think about this idea of an image it's, it's a strange thing, and I'm going to take something that is very um, current, and I'm going to illustrate this. 
Do you guys know what a selfie is? You guys know what a selfie is? A selfie is a picture of yourself. And you take it with your phone. And you, and you take your phone and you, and, and you take a little picture of yourself and then you post it on all your social media sites. Instagram currently is where most of the selfies reside, but they, they are randomly through Facebook and Twitter, Twitter, Twitter. And people are tweeting their own selfies and, and, and they, 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 they do it. If, if I was to um, create a selfie here, I would be like, Duck face, right? Right? All right? Okay. All right. Okay, you guys, can you, can you show the picture? Go ahead. Show, show the picture. Yeah. That's awesome. This is, uh, this is awesome. I don't like that picture, though. I need something better. Because you can never... Just take one selfie. How many of you have ever taken a selfie? Oh, so you guys are like embarrassed. How many people have ever taken a selfie? Okay, all right. So some of you are like disgusted right now. I've never taken, why would I ever take a picture of myself? You take a better one. Take it. Okay, all right. Show that one. There we go. Show it. There it is. Yeah, see? That's way better. Way better. I like that. Here's the thing. Most of us, most of us, most of us either think too little of ourselves or we think too much of ourselves. <laughs> right? We think we're terrible looking or we think we're awesome. We weren't designed to think little of ourselves. And we weren't designed to think much of ourselves. Too much of ourselves. God, but, but here's the problem. Sin has marred the picture. But here's the picture I want you to see. Number one, Jesus is what you would see if God took his own selfie. Jesus is the only image of the invisible God. Jesus is God's selfie. <laughs> Jesus, if God took a picture of himself, you get Jesus. Amen. Right? Okay, which is, which is incredible. And, and if, you read, if you read through the scriptures, it's not just in Colossians that it says this. If you look at, at, through, throughout the scriptures, Hebrews 1.3, here's what it says. The son, of, the son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided for purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. This is who Jesus is. If you look at John chapter 1, you see it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John chapter 1 is all about Jesus. It's all about the story and introducing the story of Jesus. Verse 2 says, he was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Let me pause for a moment and tell you that the word of God is not necessarily this. These are the words of God. And the word of God is, are, are, are within these pages. But what John says is that Jesus is the word of God. Jesus is the word of God. This, this contains inspired 
wonderful, profound, blessed information that God, that the Holy Spirit wrote through the prophets and writers long ago. But you can read it and miss the whole point of God's word to humanity. Okay, people read the Bible with the wrong spirit all the time. In fact, we have a whole group of people, Christians, who believe it's the Trinity is the Father, Son, and Holy Bible. <laughs> and this is, this, this is divine. They leave out the Holy Spirit. Listen, the Holy Spirit speaks to you as you're reading this pa- these passages, and it comes alive to you. That's what I want to challenge you to do this week. I want you to read Colossians, that first, that first chapter, and I want you to read it over and over again. I want you to... to Realize that the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you about who Jesus is in your life. Because Jesus, when we look at him, we look at what he's done, we can understand that Jesus is God's first, best, and all-encompassing spoken word and message to the world. He's the, the, Colossians says he's the firstborn over all creation. It doesn't mean he was the firstborn in creation or the firstborn of a lot of people. He was over all creation. He was before creation even existed. All things created in him. Everything holds together with him. I love how one, um, one scholar, he says this. He says, he keeps the cosmos from becoming a chaos. He keeps the cosmos from becoming a chaos. That's who Jesus is. And so Paul describes this. He's over the the earth in invisible things. He's over the invisible things. He's over all the authorities and rulers in the invisible world. He has authority over them. That's what Beverly uh, read to us. He has all authority. So look what happens as he keeps going through this passage. Verse 18 says, and he is the head of... Of the body, the church. Everybody say, that's me. me. Wait. And he is the head over the body, the church. He, He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead. So look what's, look what's happening. Paul is pulling. He's not just dealing with Jesus in, in sort of a, 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 an abstraction or some heavenly sort of vagueness. He's actually pulling him now into an understanding of how he integrates with life with us here on earth. And by the way, this is the point of the gospel. The point of the gospel is not mental assent to some philosophy. The point of the gospel is not a separation between sacred and secular or some kind of uh, division of our lives where we practice our religion and then go out and do whatever, do what our lives, whatever our lives want to do. The goal of God in Jesus Christ was to bring everything together under one. To bring all of creation and the church into one purpose. Here's here's what he says. He says, um, he's the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. It's a great word. Everybody say supremacy. Supremacy. It means supreme. It means first. It means the one in charge of all. He has the supremacy. He has supremacy in all creation, so he can have the supremacy in the church. And in fact, what he's doing is he's pulling the purposes of creation and the church together. Because you know what they're both called to do? They're, They're both called to his purpose of glorifying God and of revealing him. Original creation, marred by sin. So, so punished, 
turmoil. The, 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 the dynamics of, of creation surging in the, in the resistance of God. You can see it all over, all over the world right now. You can see the pain and the suffering that is evident in the world. I, had, I, I saw a picture earlier of, of something happening in Syria. Look at this. Check this. I, I don't know if you can get that picture, but the picture of Syria uh, and, and our prayers over the Syrian believers. Look at this. This is a real picture. Do you see that? These, this, is, this, these are, this is our Syrian people exiting this war-torn environment, and they, are, uh, they were coming for food, and they ran out. I mean, look at that picture. Look at the mass and sea of humanity suffering in pain. And Jesus came to alleviate the pain and suffering of all creation, the surging, the, the resistance of, of, of all creation because of sin, and to make things right, to restore. Everybody say, restore. He came to restore creation, and he came to restore people. He came to restore his people. And so Jesus is the person in whom all of this comes together. He says, verse 19, for God was pleased to have all his fullness, everything that God is, to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. This is a profound idea if we, are to, if we are to serve Christ with our, with our daily lives, if we are to interact with Jesus, we have to have a huge view of who he is. He cannot be a little guy that we hide in our heart. He can't be a little tiny Jesus that we kind of use from time to time or, or wear the cross around our neck. It, there, Jesus wants to be all-consuming in your life. Look, this is crazy. He's describing who Jesus is, but you, in your life, can undermine all that just by your will. He's got all this power, all this authority, and he will, as he puts all things together, he will, in his sovereignty, use all things for his purpose, but you can refuse him. You can refuse him. You can we can all ruin our own lives. We can ruin the lives of others while here on this earth. But there will be a day when his supremacy is recognized all around the globe. And that's a, that's a, that's a cool idea. What we have to do is live like he's this person now. <laughs> live like he's this person now. Because if you live like he's this person now, then you worry less. If you live like he's supreme and overall involved in all, and he was before all, and he knows how everything works out, and he, you could trust that, then you begin to live without too much burdening of your soul. If you believe that Jesus is the person in whom all the fullness of God dwells, and you trust in Jesus, you surrender to Jesus, he holds all things together by his own power. You can trust him to hold your life together and your heart together. But here's the problem. Here's the problem, of course. Message number two. 
Sin has marred the image of God. So here's what happens. If we go back to our selfie analogy, sin has photobombed our selfies. So Jesus is the, if you look, if God takes a selfie, Jesus is what you get to see. Because he's massive, he's huge, he's amazing, he's incredible, he's got all authority. But sin is, you know what a photobomb is? Photobomb is when something ends up in your picture, somebody ends up in your picture that shouldn't be there. So you take a picture, and then somebody's behind you going. It used to be, we used to do it with, with rabbit ears, remember? You'd be taking a picture with somebody, you'd be like. Photobombing is modern day version of rabbit ears. And so there's something in the picture that's ruining it, that's marking it. And so if we, if, if, we, if we have this sin, this struggle, what happens is we give in to the accusation of the enemy. Look at the next passage. He says, verse 21, he says, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds. Enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Words actions, thoughts, they all go together. They're all wrapped up together. Paul says here, you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. And but now, and, and man, we could unpack this. Do you, American culture is the king of, well, I've had this experience. Therefore, this is what I think. Right? This is, this is a problem. We justify all kinds of behavior by saying, well, this is just who I am. This is who I am, so this is how I think it works. doesn't matter what God says. doesn't matter what the Bible says. doesn't matter what anybody else says. This is the way it is. We define our lives by our own context and our own experience. That's a problem. It's a problem for Christians. It's a problem for people who believe the gospel. It's a problem for people who believe that Jesus is overall, in all, through all, and that he in himself has overcome every obstacle and every violation and every sin, every foolish act, every deep brokenness of our own souls. He has the power to cure it, to heal it. That's Jesus. That is Jesus. And if you don't believe that, then you just keep going on justifying the way that you act. You justify it in your mind. And you keep acting, well, I just can't help it. I just can't do this. I, it's just, that's just, that's just, actually, I, now we blame God. That's, I guess that's who God made me to be. And then, and we don't even recognize the destructive effects of sin. Paul is saying that you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now, but now, everybody say now. He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight. It's not just a heavenly abstraction. He came to earth and he gave his body. He spilled blood. He, came, he became one of us to communicate to us, to under, help us understand that he knows, he cares, and he loves us. He says, uh, he says here in, in this verse 22, he says, a physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish, and free from accusation. Free from accusation. Most of us live under the accusation of our own minds or others. 
And the devil, the enemy of our souls, wants to accuse us of all the things. And, and, and many times he's right. That's why you have to yield your life to Christ. Because the truth is, we, we, we have lived foolishly. We did think incorrectly. But when Christ comes in, when we surrender, when we repent of our sin, when we allow the one who is over all and in all and through all, and everything exists through him, when we tap into that kind of life, when we surrender, repenting of our sins, not living our lives the way we want to, but living our lives the way the scripture teaches us and the way he shows us, then we begin to be without blemish, without blemish and free from accusation. You don't longer have to live under the accusation of your dad or of your mom or of your boss. You no longer have to live under the accusation of others, or even the accusation of your own broken mind. Jesus releases us from all that, but you have to surrender to him. You can't keep him as your buddy or your friend or your pet. He's supreme, and he wants supremacy in your life and my life. So here he says, if you continue in your faith, established, oh, this is a big point. Verse 23, if you continue in your faith. So you, what, you, what he's saying is, oh, so you could, you could embrace this and then not continue. I was talking to somebody this week and they were saying how some, some missionary said, I've got the solution to people being such, being so stupid <laughs> after they come to Christ. He said, when they come to Christ, they pray the prayer, and then we kill them, and they go straight to heaven. <laughs> that, is not the, that is not the solution. That's, that, is, that is not how God designed it. Here's what God designed. He's designed you to receive salvation from him and then to go on a journey with him where he begins to remake your image into his image. He's beginning to remake our image into his. Jesus is God's selfie. When we make a selfie, it gets photobombed by sin. But the truth is, here's the truth. Our selfie should reveal Jesus. When we are recreated in the image of Christ, our selfie reveals Jesus. Some of you are like, what in the world is he talking about? Rich, deep theological concepts and selfies. Listen, I'm making the deep, rich theological concepts applicable to our current modern day society because Jesus needs to be involved with some of y'all's Facebook. Some of you need to change your Instagram photo. Okay, that's enough meddling. We're going to end with this passage. We're going to end with, oh, man, I, oh, oh. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved, not moved, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. This gospel is transforming people all over the world. And I want you to read one more little scripture. Just go down, go down to verse 27. Paul continues with this, and he says, To them, to them, 
God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. All these ideas, he's writing to Colossian believers, they are mostly Gentiles. They're getting pressure from the Jewish people in their city to conform. And Paul's writing them, he's saying, look, this is not just for the Jewish people. This is not just for God's chosen people. He has opened the way. Jesus Christ has removed the veil, removed the barrier, removed the wall. He's removed the dividing wall of hostility, and he's put people together, and he's making this message available to every nation under heaven. And it's happening, and the way it happens, the only way it really happens, it's not a philosophy, it's not a concept that we grab hold of, it's, it's something that happens in you and me. It, Jesus comes alive in us and becomes Lord. I know a lot of people who've made Jesus their Savior, but they have yet to make him their Lord. And there's a process by, by which we make him Lord and our character begins to change. And I want to read this final scripture. It's 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 through, we're going to read through 11. I'm going to put it up on the screen for you. If you want to turn there, you can do that real quick. It's just a few pages to your left from Colossians. But here's what it says. It says, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ. Who is, who, who is what? The image of God. The, the, the current sinful state of the world sometimes mars the image so bad they can't see Jesus. They can't see him. They got to find other ways to see him. They got to see him in you. And so the God of this age has blinded their minds so that they cannot see the light, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. I love this little passage. We're not preaching about ourselves. It's not about how good we are. Listen, I'm a flawed human. I got issues. But you know what? In Jesus, when I surrender to him, he takes over. I got, I got problems. My brain, ask my wife, she is a saint because she lives with me, because I'm nuts. <laughs> the way I think sometimes and the way I, I deal with anxiety and all this, she has to deal with it. She sees it. But as I pray and as I surrender to Jesus, my mind gets renewed. As I'm willing to lay my life down, as the cross of Christ comes, becomes so real to me, as I understand how supreme and large he is, that my small worries, cares, problems, stupidity becomes very, very small, not huge. And before you know it, my selfie looks like Jesus. Check it out. Check it out. My selfie looks like Jesus. <laughs> I don't really like that. I don't really like that. That's a little too much of a duck face for Jesus to me. So I'd rather have, I think, next picture. Yeah, it was better. Oh, yeah. Jesus gets revealed through me. 
Jesus has come. What? You think I look like him? I know. <laughs> this is what the, po- the point is for every one of us. Jesus looks like God. Sin mars the picture. We become redeemed and sin gets settled. Does it, does it mean you'll never sin again? No, that's not, not the point. That's not the point. Jesus came to deal with every sin, past, present, and future. He's supreme and overall. He was before all and he will be after it all. That's what Colossians says. When you get that view, then your sins become very small if you will yield to him. If you'll let him come alive in you so that he can be revealed. Look at, what, look at what Paul says, verse 5 in this, in this passage. For what we preach is not ourselves. We're not preaching about how great we are, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine where? In our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed where? It's Christ's face that has all that glory and all that light that comes through you. He, does, he, per, he turns the light on in your life and suddenly Christ is coming out everywhere. That's the point. This is the power of God. This is the power of the gospel. When we reduce the gospel just to a bunch of do's and don'ts, it fails miserably. It stinks. It's no good. It's, and it's very frustrating. But when you realize that the message of the gospel is Jesus dealing with sin once and for all and every sin can be yielded and all of your character can be changed and shaped by the Holy Spirit to mirror him, to begin to look like him. That's a power that we need to embrace, that we need to, re, that we need to yield to, that we need to surrender to. Look, I'll finish it here because he finishes with, he finishes with this idea, but we have this treasure in jars of clay <laughs> to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We're not the source of it. Jesus, he still, he still is being revealed through this clay pot here because I'm hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. I'm perplexed, but not in despair. I'm persecuted, but not abandoned. I'm struck down and I'm not destroyed. I'm so emotional over this today. It's so weird. (laughs) We carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus is revealed. For we who are alive are always being given over to death. For Jesus' sake, not for our own sake, but for Jesus' sake. That's the process of yielding. That's the process of surrender. That's the process of letting him be Lord so that his life may also be revealed in your mortal body. Not just as an idea, but actually in your actions, in your, in your mind, in your emotions, you begin to display who Christ is. Close your eyes. Bow your head. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. I'm just going to lead you in a prayer, and I want you to follow me. Maybe just follow the prayer in your own heart, because we're, we're right at the end here. So I'm not going to embarrass you or call you forward, but if you realize I need to commit to Jesus. My life has not been ruled by him. Maybe it's been a long time since you surrendered to him and this is your moment. So whether this is the first time 
or whether this is a first time in a long time, I want you just right where you are, eyes closed, head bowed, yielding to him today. If you want to make the commitment to Christ today, say, yes, I need that Jesus. I need the Jesus you described to take over my life. I don't want you to hesitate. I just want you to shoot your hand up in the air. Say, Pastor, please pray for me right now. Just shoot it up in the air. Yes, that's the one I need. Jesus is the one I need. Jesus is the one I need to take over. Jesus is the one I need to be committed to. Yep, I see it all over. Anybody else? Anyone else? Yep, I see you right there. Anybody else? If Jesus is working in you, just lift your hand. Yeah. Come on, everybody together. Let's pray this prayer. You pray it after me, all right? Say it out loud. Everybody together. Come on. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus who shows me who you are. I repent of my foolishness, of my failures, of doing my own thing. It doesn't work. I need to yield to you. I want to yield to you. I surrender. I give you everything. Forgive me. Heal me. Renew me. And restore me. I choose you. Reveal yourself through me. Father, I pray for every person that prayed that prayer that you would seal it by the work of the Holy Spirit and it would come alive to them that the gospel message and the power of the cross and the truth of Jesus Christ and his word would come alive in him, in, in each one of us. Lord, I thank you for this. and We receive this from you now in Jesus' name.